Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. You're listening to Blue Jays Nation Radio with Cam Lewis and Tyler Uremchuk, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. A couple of days away from opening day. Welcome in episode 131, Blue Jays Nation Radio, brought to you by our friends at Points Bet Canada. Get those Blue Jays futures bets in before the season starts. What's wrong with you? Shout out to Points Bet Canada. Shout out to Coombsy, who as always is here, but also BK, who's hopping in for the predictions episode this year. BK, how was your winter? Uh, oh, it was good, um, but yeah, I missed uh, I missed baseball. I tell you what, when you go from there being a baseball game every single day to there not being any, uh, that's no fun. So yeah, winter was good, but certainly ready for uh, baseball season to start again and fired up about the Jays this year. Coomsy, thoughts on being fired up about the, the Jays? This was the longest winter of my life by a wide margin, <laughs> even though I spent a month and a half away from Edmonton. Being in Edmonton for the winter again after being gone for that amount of time was insane. It reminded me of how cold it is here. And the winter was very long because of that. So I am very, very, very happy that there's baseball to be watched and that it's spring. Yeah, honestly, for me, opening day kind of crept up on me. I don't know if my brain's just been like too fully entrenched in hockey mode with work and all of that. But like at the start of this week, it was kind of like, holy shit, I hadn't like had a big build up to the excitement of opening day. And it was like, man, we're like four days away from this thing, from being able to sit down middle of the day and have a ball game on. So that is always exciting. Uh, We are going to give our predictions for this season, the 2023 season. And between the three of us, we have 23 predictions that we're going to give. Um, but first let's talk about a little bit of news spring training over roster is set the big story. Uh, maybe it's, yeah, maybe it's the biggest story. Nathan Lukes wins the final bench spot over Otto Lopez, 28 years old, drafted eight years ago, has never played a game in the majors. BK, this is really your classic feel good spring training story. Yeah, Luke's uh, his first year in the Jays organization was last year, and he had a really good spring last year too, and didn't make the opening day roster, and never got called up throughout the the entire season. So um, it was interesting how the Jays didn't really do that last year, and yet added him to the forty man roster this off season. Uh, he had a good camp, and uh, yeah, it's fun to see um, how much it means to these guys when they get not just called up, but when you get to be part of that opening day roster. Uh, it's pretty neat. So happy for him, and and ultimately it seemed like it came down to him and Otto Lopez. Um, I I think you can make an argument for both. I think that roster position is going to churn throughout the year, anyways. Um, but yeah, it's cool to see a guy who's, um, you know, uh, stuck around in the minor leagues for so long, finally get his chance and have it be on opening day. I'll be honest with you. I did see Otto Lopez dominate 
the World Baseball Classic. And I thought this is going to be the precursor to a breakout season that we've all been waiting for. So as excited as I am for Lucas to make the team, I'm just like, I was really ready to jump on the Otto Lopez bandwagon. I thought he was going to be one of those guys. You know what I mean? The vibes were there. And, the vibes uh, were there. You know that, yeah. Right after his performance of the World Baseball Classic, you're right. Like the storyline of like him doing that, then stepping into a role with the Blue Jays and having some success this year, it all lined up. But I mean, for a guy that was the last cut last year or close to it, it it's a, still a good story for him to be cracking this team for Opening Day. We'll see how much he plays. I think you're right, BK. Like that, that's a spot that's going to turn a lot throughout the season and we're going to see it's not like Otto Lopez is going to now go the whole year without a major league appearance like that's a guy who could still factor into things pretty routinely yeah it seems like that that will be the outcome here I think what this tells us more than anything is how little the 13th man on the roster is going to play and because of that I don't think you know Luke's is maybe a guy you're more comfortable to have right away in the bench a little bit than a guy like Otto Lopez who's still uh, maybe has a more, more clear picture um, or clear pathway towards being, um, you know, maybe a more regular bench role long-term with the Jays. I don't know if Luke's fits that profile, um, and maybe that's me overthinking it, but I, I do think part of this is the Jays just want Otto Lopez to play every day. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. I mean, at the end of the day, he's still a prospect. Like, he's still a young player. I mean, we should probably get into 23 predictions because <laughs> Sorry, I could talk about Otto Lopez and uh, Nathan Luke's all day, but... <laughs> Okay, one more note, one more note. Zach Pop wins the last reliever spot over Nate Pearson. Wasn't a poor spring for Nate Pearson. Did that move surprise you, BK? Uh, I think they entered spring with kind of Pop being ahead of Pearson, so I think things just kind of played out as expected. Um, Pearson was kind of, he, he had some wow moments, and then he had wild moments. So Pearson was kind of what we've seen in the past. Um, but, I mean, much like we discussed with 13th Man on the position player side, 13th man of the bullpen is also going to churn and, and injuries happen with pen arms all the time. Um, so I think Pearson, if he's doing well in AAA, he's going to get his chance. And, uh, you know, it, there, there's still a pathway to him being a very key component of the Blue Jays roster. Uh, but it's just not super clear right now. It's a very deep bullpen. Um, and I think in past years, he usually would have made it out of camp. But, uh, yeah, there's just too many arms in front of him, but his chance will come. Blue Jays deep bullpen. That's got to get you a little horned up, Coomzy. Oh, absolutely. I love uh, this. Is, this is this is what I'm, this is what it's all about, man. This is why I love spring training ball so much. Love talking about the roster, the ins and outs. Who's going to be in the mix? Who's going to come into games when they're losing by a few runs in the sixth inning? That's the kind of stuff that gets you going. That's what I'm, that's what I'm excited for. All right. Well, then uh, let's get into our 23 predictions for the year. BK, you have the honors of going first. And we're starting with some stuff that's more Blue Jays specific. We'll branch off into some stuff around the American League as well. But BK, starting with the Jays, your first prediction for this season. So I'm going uh, Kevin Gossman, Blue Jays ace. Uh, Cy Young um, finalist, I think. A very good chance to be um, a Cy Young winner. I, I think it's it can be easily lost just how good he was last season because of two things. One, the just absurd batting average on balls and play he gave up, which obviously impacted his ERA. I think he had like a three, three, five ERA, something like that, which is really good in the AL East, uh, but not a number as, you know, when the twos like Manoa was um, and also Manoa's great season kind of clouded or, or overshadowed um, how, how great Gossman was. So, I, I think if if he just gets a more normal batting average on balls in play, I think his his 
profile as a pitcher is to give up hard contact. When he does uh, give up contact, it tends to be hard. So I don't think he's going to have some regression to like league average and batting average and balls in play. But if he can just normalize it a little bit, um, he's pretty easily looking at like uh, an ERA, ERA in the twos. And he's been great in spring. His slider's looking better than it ever has. Um, the velo's there. Uh, the pitch mix is great. So I think Gossman's about to have a like Cy Young caliber season um, and will end up being the most valuable Blue Jays starter at the end of the year. Yeah, and, and my first prediction kind of lined up with that. I said Gosman's going to have the best ERA on the team. I mean, we talked a ton last year about just kind of how unlucky a lot of Gosman's performances felt. There were a few there where it's like, okay, bases loaded, two out, and a dribbler gets through, and then they end up tagging on four or five runs, and it was like, okay, um, that that shouldn't be happening more than maybe once in a season, right? So I think Gosman will dial it in this year. Best ERA on the team is my first prediction to go along with BK is that he will be the ace. Coombsy, what do you got for your first prediction? I think there's a pretty good chance he'll be the one who winds up doing this, but I'm not 100% certain. I think there's probably two guys you could visualize, maybe three, this happening for. But I think this season we're going to see for the first time since 1990 a Toronto Blue Jays starting pitcher throw a no-hitter. Oh. They've, they've been close in, in, in previous years. Nothing really recent. There was Brandon Morrow in, that must have been 2010. He threw against the Rays one of the best games ever. He strikes out like 17 guys. Aaron Hill can't get to the ball, loses it in the last out in the ninth inning. Uh, and then there was a Dustin McGowan one as well in the mid-2000s. I was pretty young for that, so I don't remember it all too well. But they flirted with it a few times, and they have two really good starters right now, Alec Manoa, Kevin Gosman. And I also do kind of feel as bad as he can be, if Jose Barrios gets into his groove, I think he has the stuff and just like the like the physical ability to execute that. So I have a feeling this year, just a weird hunch that they're going to pull off the first no-hitter since Dave Steve in 1990. BK, if they do it, which pitcher is the most likely to do it? Uh, well, let's make it nice and easy. Kevin Gossman, right? I think that's the, that's the way to go. Um, yeah, I think he's got, when he's absolutely on, he's got the best swing and miss. Uh, from the rotation next to Kikuchi, actually, but I'm not, I'm not quite going to go Kikuchi. Uh, <laughs> no hitter here. Um, I don't think he'd be able to do it in uh, 100 under 150 pitches, and I don't think the Jays would let walks. him go that long. No hits, ten walks, fourteen <laughs> strikeouts. That's the Kikuchi no no for sure. <laughs> so uh, yeah, no, let's go. Let's let's see uh, Kevin Gossman no hitter this season. I'm I'm down for that. Yeah, Kikuchi gives up three runs in a no-no because he walked a bunch in one inning. Wouldn't that be something? Uh, let's stick... Oh, no, actually, BK, you got a different one because we were talking about how good the bullpen might be this year. Uh, what's your next one? Yeah, so there's been a lot of talk about uh, the lack of lefties in the pen. Um, and I don't think that's all that uncommon across baseball, too. I believe the Astros are beginning the year with no lefties in the pen. Uh, so then what you look at next is, okay, well, what which right-handers are good at neutralizing left-handed bats? And Eric Swanson, um, much maligned addition uh, because he came via the trade of Teoscar Hernandez, dominated left-handed batters last year to the tune of a 39.4% strikeout rate and a 2.8% walk rate. Damn. So I, to me, when it comes to relief pitchers, there's no um, numbers I look at um, uh, more than those. Basically, K percentage, walk percentage, and then K minus walk percentage. Um, and basically he was in like the top five relievers in baseball of that last year against left-handed pit, uh, batters. So the, the Swanson splitter is nasty. Um, lefties hate it. 
he seems to control things very well. Like I said, he didn't walk anybody left-handed last year. Um, and I think that's a pretty key factor with Tim Meza being, you know, an average bullpen lefty, but nothing special. You need to have arms in the pen that dominate left-handed batters. And I think uh, Swanson is that guy. And, and Trevor Richards actually quietly kind of struck out a lot of uh, left-handed batters too. So um, I think those are kind of the the three names that will get the most appearances against lefties. But Swanson's ready, I think, to, to continue dominating in that role. Coomsey, how important is Swanson to this bullpen? I mean, look, you mentioned it with the the return in that deal, right? That's always going to have fans kind of looking at Swanson a certain way. And I think on the surface, he'll never have the, in air quotes, impact of a guy who hits 25 to 35 bombs a season, fan favorite, throwing the seeds, all of that. But he has a chance to be like a real X factor for this team. And I mean, I'm hoping that, again, this is the year where we don't get into July and August and we're going, ah, the bullpen's just not there for him. Or, oh, they would be in first if it wasn't for the damn bullpen. Yeah, I mean, they it's it's a difficult spot for Eric Swanson to be in. I mean, like you said, you're coming back as the guy in return for a trade of like a very well-liked player. And then you're also playing in a position where it's it's honestly like for a middle reliever, if you're on a closer, it's almost more noticeable when you do fuck up than when you do something good. Like it, it, that that's just kind of how those kinds of relievers are known. So there's going to be a significant amount of pressure for this player. There's going to be such a spotlight and it's going to be pretty much exclusively on like if if he fucks up and it's going to be so magnified. So I just hope that he can handle that kind of pressure. I mean, I wasn't I'm not as familiar with how he was, you know, the Seattle Mariners is like BK is. But I think I remember us talking when they made this trade that he wasn't one of their more high leverage guys last season. Because I remember um, like think about the in, in the in those situations in the playoff series, like he didn't pitch. So if you're pitching a more challenging role when you're pitching for the Jays that might be a challenge for him to take on so it'll be it'll be interesting to watch but could be a huge x factor could make their bullpen go from I think it was good last year not amazing but could jump from good to elite BK are any concerns about Swanson's role increasing more pressure and him not being able to handle that as I mean like like Coombsy said you're a guy who's pretty familiar with the Mariners are you confident he can live up to this kind of pressure I, I dove into that when the Jays acquired him because I that was how people talk, right? It was, okay, great. So the Jays traded Teoscar for a guy that the Mariners didn't even trust in the playoffs. Um, he did pitch in that super long extra innings game against the Astros that they had. Um, but yeah, they, they he wasn't their go-to guy. Look, the, the Mariners had and have an elite bullpen. So he was just one of the names in that pen that just dominated last year. Um the nice thing coming away from a, a bit of a deep dive into Swanson's numbers was uh, he was still great when he faced the team's best hitters. Like his, his um, you can kind of break down how he fared against like the first and second hitter in a lineup, the third, fourth, fifth, that type of thing. He was at his worst last year against the bottom of team's lineup. So he actually pitched quite well against the best opponents had to offer. Um, and he pitched just fine in medium and, and high leverage situations. Um, he was elite, elite in medium leverage situations and good um, in high leverage situations. So when he was called upon in those situations, he performed um, certainly you wonder why uh, maybe he didn't get more opportunities. And again, I think that speaks to the depth of the Mariners pen more than anything. Um, and, and as we've seen in history, you expect a number of regression from him just because, just because it is almost impossible to have back-to-back seasons as good as what he just did last year. So I think, yes, there will be some regression, but if he can get to the velocity he had last year, as long as there's no concerning dip in that, um, I would say, 
whether fans appreciate him correctly or not, he's he's set up to be a very good and important reliever for this team. When spring training started, the talk was maybe Yusei Kikuchi could factor into the bullpen this year and, and be a specialist back there. Fuck all of that. This guy's made the rotation, Coombsy. Give us your Yusei Kikuchi take. Well, um, the most exciting thing about spring training for me, of course, was uh, Otto Lopez's breakout performance in the World Baseball Classic, as I said earlier. But the other thing was the beginning of the Yusei Kikuchi revenge tour as he finished today. So this is Tuesday for anybody listening on Wednesday, Thursday, whatever. Kikuchi pitches in their last game against the Phillies and he faces, uh, what was it, eight guys and he strikes out six of them. Look, I don't care if these guys are single A, double A, it doesn't matter to me. Yusei Kikuchi was dominant this spring training, and he's going to come back. And I'm 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 riding all vibes on this. There's nothing more to it. Um, pure vibes. He's going to come back next year and be good. Put up the best ERA of his career so far, and that doesn't need to be spectacular. He's never had that good of an ERA. He'll put up an ERA of around like 415, 420, that kind of thing. Career high ERA. I like that. I mean. The spring stuff is awesome. I, we were all laughing after his first start against the Pirates, I think it was, when the yeah. MLB account uh, posted that Kikuchi was putting the AL East on watch, and I don't think anyone's getting that crazy. I don't <laughs> think anyone expects this guy to be like top 20 in ERA or something crazy like that. But my next prediction was both Kikuchi and Barrios bounce back and have ERAs below 4.25. Uh, BK, scale of 1 to 10, how likely do you view a dual Kikuchi Barrios bounce back season. Uh, them both happening. Yeah. I, I would say not likely if scale of one to 10, um, man, like them both being, let's say sub four, two, I'd put that at like a three, two or a three. Um, I could certainly see one of them doing it. I don't know which one I would pick, to be honest, <laughs> which is really Damn. tough. Uh, when you look at how we were talking about Brios, like this exact time one year ago, um, yeah, very different. I just, yeah, the, the, the vibes around watching him are very difficult. Like it is like, I kind of cringe watching Brios pitch, which sucks. I don't want to feel that way. And I loved him when they acquired him. I loved how he pitched down the stretch that year. Uh, so it's weird, but yeah, I'd say I'd give it like a two or a three. It's pretty unlikely that they're both really like, I, I'd say a sub four, two year in Ailes is pretty darn good. That's like number three, number four starter status. I, yeah, I'll probably I'll stick with a three out of 10 of that happening. As we move, and we got a little bit more on the Jays here, but since we're talking about the rotation in Kikuchi and Barrios, we haven't really talked a ton about you know a guy like Chris Bassett. We obviously know how dangerous the front end of this rotation can be. Cam, slap a letter grade on this rotation when you look at it one through five and maybe compare it to the rest of the league. Is it an A minus? Is it a B plus? Is it maybe even higher than that? What would you say? I think it's definitely one of the best ones we've seen on the Jays in a while. I think back to the, you know, strong rotations they've had. You think of, say, the 2016 season where, you know, you pretty much had five guys rolling and then, you know, they trade for Francisco Lariano halfway through the season. Drew Hutchison goes. It was essentially six, seven guys the entire time, and they had such a good bill of health. And it didn't feel like they need to test the depth whatsoever. It, it and knock on wood with this here, but it kind of feels like the Jays have a lot of workhorses here. It feels like there's a lot of guys who can clear some innings. But as BK just said, a lot of that also does come down to whether Jose Barrios is a complete clusterfuck like last year and is, you know, having starts like opening day last year. And Kikuchi, he was able to hit the strike zone in Dunedin, but then all of a sudden when the games are real, he can't, you know, hit the strike zone. It's, you know, it's not a guarantee that it all works out, but I can't remember a time probably since that 2016 team where you have 
this much that can go right in the rotation to make the rotation elite. I don't think it's absurd to look at this and think if, if a couple things line up, it could be elite. I don't think it's far-fetched. BK, so I'd give that B plus, A minus. B plus, A minus. BK, you agree with that? Yeah, I'd say so. It's You You kind of wish you uh, felt like you had more certainty with it, and we just have these unknowns, right? So on paper, it's a, it's a, it's a fun rotation. I think an underrated part of it is the health factor. Pitching is always volatile health-wise, but I, I remember seeing an article earlier in the offseason, I believe it was by Eno Saris, where he's got a metric looking at a, a pitcher's history and kind of grades their likelihood of being healthy or however he put it. Um, and like Jay's rotation was near the top because a bunch of pitchers with a history of health, um, and that shouldn't be understated. Again, there's still risk. They could go down. Something could happen. But if you compared them, and back then, like the, the Yankees rotation was complete opposite, right? They were a super volatile, super health risky rotation, and we've already seen that unfold now. So, um, yeah, I, I think the, the benefit we have is it's more or less a, a group you would depend on to give you innings which means you're not going into the depths of the, of the farm for, you know, maybe guys who aren't ready to be in a rotation yet. Um, but yeah, there's just, there's just unknowns, right? Brios Kikuchi, um, Bassett a little bit just cause he's new. Um, his velocity was down a little bit in spring. Again, that might not matter. We might learn, you know, in a couple weeks that he's trending back up and it was all being saved for the season. But, um, yeah, there, there are a bit of unknowns that kind of, for me, I'd graded it like, uh, B minus, but it, it's B minus with like a ceiling of like an A minus. I think it could quite easily prove to be a, a very good rotation and not just about the top two guys. So then let me tee you up for what is prediction number seven for us here on the pod, and it is your turn to go, BK. Uh, yeah, so that is the Blue Jays rotation, or sorry, Blue Jays bullpen being very strong. Um, not going to use the word elite, but I think the Jays have did you a say elite comp- message? Or did, or did I editorialize that? You editorialized I that. I'm like, I looked at that. I'm like, did I say it'd be elite? I think maybe it's capable of that. The Blue Jays have a good bullpen, and it is good for a number of reasons. One, uh, just the talent one through eight and the guys who are breaking camp with the team is strong. But beyond that, the the guys you have waiting for an opportunity in AAA is so much better than anything we've seen in the past. And that includes both just pitchers with good upside in the bullpen but also pitchers with velocity, right? We've got we've got Pearson in AAA, Yosfer Zulueta in AAA, um, both Julian and Junior Fernandez. I saw somebody joke the other day, whichever one is the good one, couldn't remember. I can't remember. One of those guys, I think, is more promising than the other. But both of them throw really hard. Hayden Younger, recent uh, draft pick by the Jays, is already in AAA. Um, we got Chad Green coming back uh, possibly in like August, right, uh, right around uh, post-trade deadline. Um, so there's just there's options that we haven't had in the past where you're not com- calling up the... Um, Nick Algiers of the world to come and, and, you know, eat some innings in the bullpen. Um, Taylor Sacedo, just some of these guys who like, maybe they had a chance at carving out a decent uh, um, relief career, but uh, there's upside. There's upside in the major league bullpen and there's upside in the triple A bullpen. And that's just a nice place to be. um, And somewhere that we're really not all that familiar with being. I think my prediction here kind of relates to what you're saying, but it also somewhat contradicts what you're saying. I think the bullpen depth is really good, but then you start looking at the starting pitching depth. And I know we just talked about like um, the Jays luck, knock on wood again, like a, a pretty healthy pitching staff. 
but I had a weird, I, I was looking around randomly at guys they had in spring training. And I noticed that Drew Hutchison last year pitched 105 innings for the Tigers. Which no way. Third, yeah. <laughs> most he's ever pitched. And he wasn't that bad. He, he had a, a 4.53 year rate. Not terrible. So my absolutely out of left field random ass thing was, I think for the 2023 Jays, he's going to pitch more innings than he did for the 2016 Jays, which is 12 and two thirds. That's how many innings he pitched for the 2016 Jays. Their, their 2015 opening day starter. So he's going to beat that this year. It feels doable. It feels like he's two double headers being scheduled away yeah. from like taking a big chunk out of that. Like I, <laughs> how many innings did Casey Lawrence toss for the Jays last year? Oh, yeah. Lawrence threw, he threw 18 innings. Not inconceivable for Drew Hutchison to toss 18 innings for the Jays this year, right? It's not that bad. It's fine. That's a good prediction, right? Yeah. Oh man. That's, that's, okay. That's well, what gets yeah. People hyped up. Yeah. We've we've enjoyed some fun, promising topics so far. Now we're talking Drew Hutchison innings ceilings. Uh, yeah. No, that's a little scary, Kumzi. I here, here's here's my retort to you saying his four five three ERA was not bad, which you are correct. He also did that striking out five point eight per nine uh, and walking three point six. So. He, he, he was very fortunate, I would say, to be sitting with that four five three ERA, um, and I'd say the uh, performance we've seen from him this spring is probably a little more in alignment with what I could expect from twenty twenty three Drew Hutchison. But uh, yeah, I mean, there like Zach Thompson, I think, was a kind of a quietly key um, ad during the offseason uh, because he was an optionable uh, starter who was very good for the Marlins two years ago, terrible last year for the Pirates. The Pirates had changed some stuff with his pitch mix and location. The Jays were trying to undo that this year. Not saying he will be good, but at least he's uh, he's an arm that's built up to pitch a lot of innings and has recently had um, some legitimate success. Uh, and then obviously Mitch White is very important, and um, hopefully he can return healthy with uh, some of the st- uh, stuff he's battling in spring. We got potentially Ryu coming back maybe in July-ish. So, um, yeah, it is, it is not... Uh, a triple A rotation filled with options that you feel good about, um, which, like I said, I think the most valuable thing for the Jays is the fact that they at least project to have a healthier rotation than most teams because uh, they definitely need it to play out that way. So we're about eight predictions into this thing, about a third of the way through. So I'm going to start taking things in a bit of a different direction. I want to look at the American League East a little bit, and I'll go first with this one. I'm going to say the New York Yankees don't win the AL East this year. I think it'll be a combination of things. Health is a big one. You kind of look right now. I mean, we're a couple days away from opening day, and Carlos Rodon is like throwing bullpen sessions still, and Frankie Montas might not be available until the second half of the season. Who knows if Luis Severino is going to make it through an entire season and stay healthy. And then also, I don't think they're getting 62 home runs from Aaron Judge again. So where is that call it lost production going to come from just from the sort of natural regression you should get coming off a season like that. I think they're going to be significantly worse than they were last season. I'm not saying they're going to fall out of the playoff picture or anything crazy like that, but I don't think they're going to win the division. I think that will belong to Toronto or to Tampa Bay. Coombsy, am I crazy? No, I don't think you're insane. Um, The injury stuff is worrying for the Yankees. That's for sure. I mean, like, the pitching rotation right now looks like a disaster given the injuries they've had, but I don't know. I, I had the same kind of sentiment about Aaron Judge. I don't feel like he's going to have the same insanely good season, but 
I think he'll still be fine, but there's not a tremendous amount around him that makes the team all that scary. But it also it's also just like how many times have we come into the season and looked at a Yankees lineup, your roster in general, and thought, you know what, like this is a pretty pathetic version of the Yankees. Like this really isn't what they used to be. They're probably going to fall off a cliff this year, and it just never seems to happen. They always just seem to find a way to make it work. So, I mean, again, just vibes-based prediction. That's not really based on a hell of a lot. I do still kind of feel like they're the team to beat in the American League East, and I, I don't know. I, I never feel good about predicting a Yankees implosion. You know what I mean? That's fair. Yeah, I think the Rodon injury and when he actually is able to come back will be pretty key as far as the AL East is concerned. And I, I, I believe the idea is that he's potentially back in like four weeks or so. But, I mean, you know, coming back from... Um, what he's dealing with now and getting built up and the potential for setbacks. Like it's, it's volatile with him right now. Um, and obviously that impacts the, uh, the Blue Jays quite a bit. BK, what's your first kind of AL East prediction? So I think uh, kind of comparable to what you just said, but I do think it'll be super tight. I think New York, uh, Tampa and the Jays will enter September all within four games of each other, um, creating a really fun AL East uh kind of stretch drive uh, for the next uh, four weeks there. So I think last year the Yankees started something absurd, like 48 and 16 or just something outrageous that basically took the division completely off the table, um, like two months into the year. And, and obviously that was no fun. And, and some of that was the Jays own doing with them, you know, just kind of being okay ish to, to start the season, but it'll be really fun to see a, a legitimate race for the division play out again. I totally see that happening. I, I like Tampa's team this year. Um, I'm curious how quickly Glasnow can come back from his uh, oblique injury. Um, but yeah, I, I, we look, we've we've seen um, some great stretch run battles with the Rays and Yankees over the years when the Jays have been competitive. It's really fun to watch that experience that play out in September. And I think that happens again this year. Coombsy, you're next. Yeah, I think I, I I have the same kind of idea, but my prediction was. Um, Baltimore is going to be the team that falls off. I think they're going to switch spots with the Red Sox, and it's going to be kind of like what it was last year, but like BK said, minus the Yankees winning the division three weeks into the season. It's going to be, you know, the Jays, Yankees, and the and the Rays, the top three teams, and then the Sox, I think, will be fine. They'll be one of those teams pushing for, you know, the number six playoff spot, the third wild card, whatever. And I think Baltimore is going to fall off a bit. It's kind of unfortunate for them. I feel bad because they seem to be in the exact spot the 2020 Jays were in a few years ago when they had you know, they made the playoffs in the COVID season and then the front office invested in the team, signed George Springer, Marcus Semien, blah, blah, blah. We all know what happens next. But for Baltimore, they do pretty much just sweep fuck all this offseason. And the team doesn't really look much better this year than last. So it basically seems like they're hoping for that bullpen to be stupidly good again. They're hoping for all these rookies to come up and be amazing. But it's kind of a shame for their fans. They didn't bother augmenting their team with, you know, free agent talent, spending some money. But I kind of feel like they overachieved a bit last year. Their Pythag win-loss was 79-83. They finished 83-79. So I would guess their win total this season's in the 70s. That's, that's so you're saying, you're saying you're not a fan of an off-season strategy when you're a team on the rise of signing Kyle Gibson and doing nothing else. 
Yeah, that, that, absolutely. That, that was like a, like, a, like a 2018 Jays signing. That was like a Jaime Garcia edition. That's what the, the Orioles did this offseason. Well, in fairness, apparently Kyle Gibson chose the Orioles over the Blue Jays, who had basically wow. identical offers. Fuck you, Kyle. But <laughs> uh, yeah, so now we get to just have this irrational hatred for uh, Kyle Gibson and uh, the meatballs he'll be serving up in uh, Camden Yards. So that's yeah, that, that was, I would, I honestly, if I was an Orioles fan, which thank goodness I'm not, because that's sounds like an awful existence but how miserable would watching this offseason play out have been they even spoke about significantly raising the payroll like in september when like the vibes were so good and even last trade deadline like they sold they they traded away pieces while they were in the playoff race um so they just keep doing this like we only care about the long term thing and like short-term success is does not matter and it would just be so aggravating to be a fan of theirs because they could have spent so much money easily like little short-term deals like michael conforto getting a two-year deal like that will not impact your books at all long term and would add a veteran bat with upside and that's exactly where you should be spending your money when all your good players are cheap and they just decided oh we're gonna wait another year and worry about the long term as if short-term money would have been some sort of big consequence for them so yeah they're they were embarrassing this offseason so am i crazy for being high on their young talent like i don't know i just look at all it's those good. Young pieces it's good. yeah no you're right like I, my next prediction was they're going to be within five games of the Yankees at the trade deadline. And part of that is again, combining my first one that the Yankees are going to slip a little bit. And with all their injuries and things like that, they'll get off to a slow start. But I think this Orioles team is maybe primed to do maybe the reverse of what they did last year, where this young talent is just so ready to go off the jump that they just start and play some lights out baseball early and are getting all these big wins and the vibes are carrying over and maybe they peter off towards the end of the year. I don't think they're going to be a playoff team, although our friends at points bet Canada have them at plus three fifty to make the postseason. I think they can be Ooh. within spitting distance at the deadline, even if they fall off considerably after that, just because I'm a big believer in that young talent. When Adley Rutschman came to the majors in games, he started, they were 60 and 47 last year. He's a legit difference maker. Yeah. You're yeah. Not he's, oh, sorry. He, go, ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. He, yeah. Adley Rutschman's a, a legitimate superstar. Gunnar Henderson, a front runner for uh, rookie of the year this year. Um, they have uh, just other pieces uh, in the mostly their position player core um, that are just like solid players. And their rotation overperformed last year. Some of that maybe being the ballpark. I think the the organization's got a little bit more analytical in how they're evaluating pitchers and getting the most out of what they have. I think Austin Voth is uh, an example of that. Just awful for the Nationals who. Um, I was talking to a player in the Arizona fall league in October who plays for the nationals and, and he's like joined with six other teams um, around baseball in Arizona. And he's like, yeah, like we do none of the stuff, all these other pitchers I'm looking at with what they're doing and nationals organization doesn't have a clue. Like, so it's quite interesting when you see a player jump from an org, like the nationals to the Orioles who very recently have taken up all this, um, pitch data stuff, and we saw it pay off last year. So, no, Tyler, I agree with you. I think that's why it'd be so frustrating as a fan and probably as an Orioles player to know you have all this young talent and to see the organization not trying to capitalize on it now because um, there's very much a scenario where they're uh, kind of floating around, hanging around, much like they did last year, 
And uh, they might only be a few games back. And then being able to go reevaluate this offseason and be like, what would have happened if we had have spent a little bit of money? So I, I think they their young core is is uh, really talented. I think they're pretty scary, like two years from now, like legitimately like best in the um, ALE's potential. Um, but yeah, I mean, they, I, I think they're going to be okay this year and they really shot themselves in the foot by not doing enough to be better than okay. I was going to say before, I, I'd, I'd, I'd love to see Baltimore make the playoffs and just get in there again and maybe face the Jays. Like I think it'd be a really fun playoff series getting back into a situation where they just leave their best reliever in the bullpen as like Vladdy or George <laughs> Springer or somebody like that. It's a moonshot off of like their seventh starter. I think that'd be a, a really fantastic way for this 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 season to conclude. Felix Bautista just rotting away in the pen. Yeah, in the, new, <laughs> the new elevated pen in right field where the Chase fans just yelling at him. He's like, I, I can't do anything. Just make fun of me all you want. I don't get to go pitch in this game. Yeah, that uh, that would be that would be fun to see play out uh, once again. Any excuse to post the trash birds meme. Oh, absolutely. 100%. That's right. No matter what. BK, you're up next. What do you got? Uh, oh, good question. Next really up, uh, it was about the raised bullpen. There you yep. go. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, segue. teed that up. Amazing. So, uh, maybe understated. We'll see how it plays out. But the Jays bullpens put the opposing pitchers like right <laughs> beside the fans. And the, I don't know if you guys noticed this, but they actually are the the new uh, Rogers Center renovations. There's bleachers in that area. They're they're unclaimed seats. Basically for the people who buy the $20 just get into the ballpark ticket to go to one of the social areas, or you can buy a ticket elsewhere and go sit in these bleacher seats. But my understanding is they're just first come first serve bleacher seats. And those are the types of people you want directly beside Garrett Cole when he's warming up because he loves to throw a tantrum anytime anything isn't going his way when it comes to preparation. And I can just imagine him having a little meltdown, a whiny meltdown post-game after he's been hit around by the Jays a little bit, complaining about the safety and the words he was hearing from the fans five feet away. Um, it, it's it's going to be fun because I think Jays fans have, especially in these tense games, whether they're divisional or in September or in the playoffs, when the Jays fans are really kind of amped up and the place is sold out, and there's that many fans there who are going to have a chance to kind of intimidate the the opponent pitchers. I think that'll be fun. Uh, that'll be a lot of fun to see play out. I think I think Toronto kind of offers a, a pretty different experience for the opposing players. And I mean, I I think you're probably going to get this in different in different places too. Maybe like a New York or a Boston or a Chicago. Um, I haven't spent enough time there to comment, but. I've been to enough Jays games that it feels like, uh, especially when people are jumping on the bandwagon in like a September and it's really fun. Everybody in the city is getting excited about it. It feels like a lot of hockey fans are in the mix and they kind of just bring that like brash hockey yelling energy to the baseball field. That it's kind of a bizarre thing for opposing players to deal with. So I think it'll, it'll further add to the Toronto New York rivalry that I think is brewing recently. Yankees fans hate Alec Manoa. They really hate Vladdy jr. They hate how he celebrates. They hate, you know, they're, they're, they're so relentlessly critical of them online. It's honestly nuts. So I think, I think, yeah, this, 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 this could be a way for this rivalry to get some more beef, which I think is always fun. It's good. It's good when the, when, when, when the, when the teams actively dislike each other, I think it's funny. Yeah, it's entertaining. That's right. 
It's way better. Uh, Coombsy, you have a Yankees-themed take for uh, what is number... What number are we at here? 14, 14. on our list. Yeah, I think we, we kind of touched on this a bit. I think Aaron Judge is going to decline. It's going to be something like 40, 45 home runs this year. They're going to stop letting him hit a golf ball. Um, <laughs> you know, they got their... The Major League Baseball got their amazing thing last year with their juice balls. Just kidding. Not actually. But... Um, yeah, the Yankees don't have all that much in their lineup. We talked about this earlier. Like, yeah, there isn't a tremendous amount of help there. Aaron Judge really did will this team to a lot of their success last year with his amazing season. I think he's going to decline a bit, but what my prediction is specifically is that they're going to pay a huge ass price to acquire Brian Reynolds from the Pirates. And I saw somebody make the, I saw this, this was like months ago in the offseason, a Pirates fan kind of compared him to Jason Bay, who used to be, even the Canadian player used to be good for the Pirates years ago when, when they were terrible. I guess they're always terrible, but like, you know, um, and the Yankees are going to go like pay through the nose for just like a Jason Bay, good, not great caliber player. That's my expectation for them at the trade deadline. Hmm. Yeah, it's been interesting to watch because Brian Cashman has not wanted to trade away his top prospects. We've seen them, Basically, the, the Yankees last like three years have made a number of trades where they've traded away a ton of pitching depth in the minors. And kudos to them. They've done a really good job at like developing uh, minor leaguers, whether it's, you know, drafting good college guys in the eighth round and making them a lot better through, again, their, their kind of pitching factory, um, signing international free agents for like $20,000. And then all of a sudden they're pumping 98 miles an hour a couple of years later. But they've traded a ton from that. Last year when they got Efros, they traded Hayden Wisniewski, uh, who just cracked the Cubs rotation, a good-looking young pitcher. They traded a number of players to Oakland um, for Montas. Uh, the Joey Gallo trade, they traded a bunch of pieces. But they've like shied away from trading away from the very top of their farm system, which is probably part of why Reynolds isn't a Yankee already. But they might feel some pressure in the season. Cashman might finally be willing to make that move. Um, and, and that's not going to be Volpe. Clearly, he's kind of the heir apparent. He's their shortstop. But um, Oswaldo Peraza, uh, Jason Dominguez, um, those types of guys who they've been pretty leery of even discussing um, for years now, like they just have not traded away the top guys like the Jays have, I think they might be willing to do that this deadline. I agree with you there, Coomsey. I'm going to piggyback off you guessing that uh, Judge finishes between 40 and 45 dingers. I'm going to give you guys my next two predictions here, and I want you to know which one is more likely. First off, Vladdy has another year. We're talking MVP caliber stuff, and he hits 45 bombs. And then I'm also going to say Teoscar Hernandez in a contract year fits in really nicely in his new home and hits close to 35 if not getting there. Which one is more likely, Coombsy? Teoscar in the 35 range, which would be almost 10 more than he hit last year, or Vladdy going up to the 45 range, which would be like 13 more than he hit last year? I think Vladdy going up. I'm I'm skeptical we'll see him do the 2021 season again because unfortunately part of that I think did ultimately come from playing a handful of games in Dunedin, Buffalo, specifically Dunedin. It's such a tiny park. The ball really flies uh flies out of that park pretty easily. Um I'm not saying that you know he had like a like a fraud season by any stretch of the imagination. Like he was phenomenal that year. I I, I think we'll see something kind of in the middle of the two seasons, like you had. 2021,000 OPS last year was 818, probably winds up somewhere in the middle, like 900, 910 kind of thing. I wouldn't be surprised to see him hit 40 bombs. I don't know. I don't I don't see Teoscar Hernandez doing that in Seattle, where it's a little bit more pitcher-friendly, personally. Um, I don't think that was, if you're a 
one year away from free agent guy. I'm not sure if going to one of those ballparks is exactly what you want. Like if you're Tay Oscar, I think you'd much rather be hitting in Toronto as a member of the Jays. So I don't think his numbers will be better this year than what we've seen from him in the past. BK, your thoughts? Well, okay, so we're talking 45 for Vladdy or 35 for Teo, which is likelier. Yeah. Um, I would I, I would take the under on both, um, just if I was individually uh, picking those. Yeah, but they're within the realm of, like, they're they're reasonable. You can see it happening. I think I would pick uh, Teo. I, like, looking at, um, it's interesting, like, looking at some of their projections, like, Zips projects Vladdy for 33 home runs and uh, Teoscar for 31. So, like, they're pretty close there. Um, look, Vladdy's a more valuable player. He's better defensively. Um, he's a more well-rounded hitter. Um, but, yeah, I, I agree with Cam. I, I think there's just some things of 2021 that there's a chance we never see again. And uh, the the progression of uh, – baseball players are capable of hitting their absolute peak season at such a young age. And there's a chance Vladdy's just never 2021 Vlad again. Doesn't mean he can't be an all-star and, and truly um, a high-end baseball player. But that was like the best of the best, and I, I'd love to see it happen again. I, I, again, with Cam, I'm probably in between the two seasons uh, as far as what I expect this year. So 35 just seems like a slightly easier path for Teoscar to get to uh, than Vladdy to 45. BK, you're up next on the list here, and you have a Mariners-specific take. Big Mariners. Yeah, Julio Rodriguez, man, I like... I. I, I enjoy this kind of somewhat rivalry the Jays have with the Mariners. And yet at the same time, I like the team. It's kind of this like turmoil of, I don't like both teams being really good at the same time in the same uh, league because I basically just actively have to root against the Mariners, but I actually find them kind of likable. Uh, part of it is they're close to me. It's the ballpark I get to go to the most. Um, I have a lot of friends that are fans of the team, but man, like Julio Rodriguez is just unbelievably likable. Like what last year he debuts, plays the entire year at 21 years old, um, doesn't hit a single home run for his first, like, I want to say it was like five weeks in the big leagues. Like he struggled offensively. Legitimately for five weeks, he just was not a good hitter. He finished with a 146 weighted runs created plus 5.3 F war uh, in uh, and 28 home runs in just 132 games. He also stole 25 bases, plays center field has like the best smile in baseball. Like dude just exudes like fun, joy. I love baseball. He's like who baseball should be building their marketing campaigns around. Although Seattle's probably not the best market to do that after, but Griffey broke through that a long time ago, man, Julio Rodriguez. I have him. Uh, I'll, I'll say your bold prediction would be MVP season from Julio. Uh, I think it's, it's something that he could certainly pull off. Um, and he's like a perennial you know, six plus war player moving forward. And that contract, uh, the Mariners locked him up to was genius, right? Like they basically have the ability to pay him through his, um, what through like 2039, if they extend his uh, options and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, he, he's a fun player. I like him a lot. Uh, wish, uh, he wasn't on somebody who the Jays are going to be competing with for a long time. But, uh, yeah, I, I see an MVP caliber season from Julio. And just to let you piggyback on that too, you also had a take. You think the Mariners can compete for the top of the AL West? Yeah, I'd say the the Astros relying on a um, in many ways a young rotation slash injured rotation um, will at least potentially make them a little leaky and not as strong as in the past. 
Uh, Verlander's gone, which is notable. They added Jose Abreu, so their lineup's a little deeper than it was last year. But also Abreu's old, and he could quite easily just fall off the cliff at any point. Um, so, yeah, I, I just think there, there's a chance. I, I'm high on the Mariners as a team, and I think they could hang with the uh, with the Astros this year. I'd probably still pick the Astros to win the division, but I think that legitimately could enter September as a as a very real race between those two teams, which would be fun to watch. The Astros have dominated that division for so long, and it really hasn't been close, right? So um, it would be fun to see, you know, somebody else going uh, toe-to-toe with them. But, um, yeah, it'll be it'll be a fun year to watch the AL West play out. Speaking of the AL West, Coombsy, that's where you went for your next prediction. Well, some people are saying that the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim could, you know, be right in the mix there. Maybe they're a playoff-caliber team. They have the two, you know, best players in the league. But... That doesn't guarantee anything. I don't think the Angels will be good at all this year. I think they're going to probably similar to last year, just fall off a cliff within like the first two months of the season. I remember last year, I think they started off like quite hot. And then it was, it was like a good month of April. And everyone thought, here it is. They're finally pulling it together. And then it was just like, I feel like the Jays, did the Jays go west, west and sweep the Angels last year? That happened, right? I'm not yeah, sure. I think they had dueling sweeps, right? Then the Angels came to yeah. Toronto and like that, yeah. was, that was an ugly weekend. But yeah, they went out there and won four games, I believe it was. It was crazy. So my prediction is um, the Angels are going to go ahead and trade Shoei Otani mid-season. Where to, Coomzy? Where's he going? Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to lean into that one just yet because I have another <laughs> prediction. Or should I just do my other prediction and allow people to do the math in their head? Yeah, you yeah. Let's do take it. me back here. Yeah. All right, all right. Here's my my one of my biggest predictions. It's gonna. It is, this involves a couple of things. I don't know how serious I am about this actually happening to preface, but this is where my imagination went this afternoon when I was kind of mapping out how I want the season to go. I think Ross Atkins, after having kind of Olympic trade deadline last year, it wasn't terrible. They made the team slightly better. It's fine. Um, I think this year there's going to be some pressure on him to really go all in and make something happen. I think that maybe there's a little bit of nervousness that they've gone and added to the front office and hired someone who could very easily become his replacement if they don't don't do well this year. So I think Atkins is going to have a huge trade deadline, which involves A, trading Ricky Tiedemann, which stresses people out, and also B, acquiring Joey Votto to finish off his career in Toronto and be a bench bat, kind of like Matt Stairs was with the Phillies in 2008-9. BK, BK, what do you think of Coombsy's bold claim that it's Ricky Tiedemann for Shohei Otani one for one? Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's a hockey uh, trade. We'll... It's an old-fashioned hockey trade. <laughs> yeah, sign sign me up for that. Um, yeah, Shohei would be would be an awful lot of fun to watch. Um, I'm just glad he wasn't... Uh, the notes were a little unclear. I just wanted to make sure that we weren't trading Tiedemann for Joey Votto. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, that's, yeah, not I, that's, that's, that's not what it was. Thanks it'd be interesting. Fun. It'd be very interesting to see Atkins <laughs> go in and just have a monster deadline um, because, yeah, I mean, the Jays have traded a lot away over the last couple of years um, and then that would certainly be a bit of a cupboard emptier if they went that route. But man, Otani being available at the deadline would be fascinating to see how that would play out because it's so hard and to, to evaluate guys and baseball does not like to trade a lot for half seasons of players. Um, Otani's probably still going to be owed around $10, $12 million at the deadline too. So there's, you know, dealing with the ownership and money factors and all that stuff. And, and you can't really fully capitalize on the marketability of, of Otani because you might only have him for a couple months. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it would be fascinating. I'd, I'd, I'd love to see that play out. I don't think there's anybody I'd enjoy um, watching more. But now, so, see, if you're adding Otani, Cam, then he becomes your full-time DH. 
and Brandon Belt and Joey Votto are just the, the old first baseman hanging out on the bench. Yes, uh, it doesn't I like make any it. sense. Uh, Brandon no, Belt. It sounds his, lovely. His 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 <laughs> robot legs are so so well done that Brandon Belt is now inexplicably playing left field. I don't know. It doesn't make any sense either because they went and paid big for a left fielder. None of it makes sense. Um, yeah, it's still it just means okay. So now we have to root for Brandon Belt's historic chronic knee issues to to come up again, so that this Jay simply must trade for Shohei Otani. No, yeah. I'm on board. Let's do it. Yeah, Tanya Harding hit him with a bat over the knee. <laughs> Let's get this thing going. Are uh, the there we go. Playing in Toronto this year at all? The Jays play the Reds at all? They were there last year, so I think they go to Cincinnati now. Ooh, so if they're in Cincinnati, yeah, so, maybe Joey Votto's walking down the hallway and he sees Brandon Belt and he just uh, bumps into him a little hard. And then he's gonna so with, with the new schedule now, with the way it's formatted, with less games in division, um, the Jays will play every single National League team once each year. And it should be where year to year they swap home field. So, like, if if uh, the Jays go to Dodger Stadium, like this year, the next year it'd be Rogers Center and just keep going back and forth. Um, but I believe I believe they're at Cincinnati this year, um, which is too bad because this is likely Votto's last season, right? So it would have been fine if he's not going to be traded to Toronto to actually see him get one more game here. But I don't believe that's in play. He'll get traded to Toronto. Don't worry. There you go. Three more predictions, one each. I'll go first. I'm going to agree with my boy Kevin Kiermeyer. The Jays are winning 100 games this year. You guys buying into the hype? Yes. Kiermeyer knows. There you go. Good vibes look, look into his eyes and tell him he's a liar. You just try that. You cannot. <laughs> I would believe anything Kevin Kiermeyer tells me. It feels, why does it feel like he's been on the team for longer? Like it's kind of fucked <laughs> up that there's a guy who's played for the Tampa Bay Rays for a decade and he randomly signs with the Blue Jays like, kind of after a few injury real shitty years and we're like this guy's been here forever he's one of the guys <laughs> it, it's so weird but it feels so natural yeah. he's our beautiful dirt bag now <laughs> uh bk what's your final one okay well i'm going with uh, the the big proclamation i i have the jays ultimately winning the division taking that all the way to a world series appearance uh obviously for the first time since 1993 um and uh, yeah i think it, it's going to be a really fun year of baseball, a really uh, invigorating year for the fan base. It's going to be a team that just captures the nation and the TV ratings are going to be bananas and they're going to be in the world series. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I think that's a very real possibility. I'm not feeling like that super bold this year. I think it's pretty easy to place the Jays in the same tier as the top teams in the league, the Yankees, the Rays, uh, and the Astros that we've talked about here. Um, but yeah, it's a pretty open league, right? I, I could see a lot of things happening. There's probably like six teams I could, if you told me they were to make the World Series out of the AL, I wouldn't be shocked. Um, but I think the Jays are are possibly one at, at more of the front of that list and very capable of doing that this year. I love it. I love it. Coomsy, what's your last one? My final prediction is not that exciting, but thankfully the ones on Twitter that we got are actually quite good. We'll jump on that yeah. next, but I'll round it off here with, I think the six teams in the playoffs in the AL will be the exact same this year as they were last. I don't know if it'll be the same, you know, the Yankees win the division, the Jays are, you know, hosting home field against Seattle and Cleveland's hosting Tampa, blah, blah, blah. I don't know if it's going to be the exact same in that regard, but I think it's going to be those same six teams in the mix. We're not going to see Boston get in. We're not going to see Texas get in. We're not going to see the Orioles get in, the Angels, White Sox, Twins, blah, blah, blah. It'll be the exact same thing. Yeah, I, I could definitely see that. I don't think that's out of the realm of possibilities at all. So there you go. Those are 23 predictions for the 2020 
three season. As Cam said, we put out the call on Twitter for some of your predictions for the year, and we'll get to those right after we take a quick ad break. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. All right, let's dig into these things. We got uh, just over 10 here that I will throw your guys away. And I think kind of similar to what we did at the beginning of last season, give me on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being wildly unrealistic, not happening at all, and 10 being I believe it. It's going to happen. Tyson, one of our colleagues at Blue Jays Nation, says Otani signs an extension with the Angels. Coombsy, I think we know where we're going there. They're not happening. (laughs) BK. Uh, yeah, I'm going to put a one on that. I'm going to say never say never, but, uh, yeah, I, I can't, can't imagine that happening unless the angels just have a wildly good year. Um, not out of nowhere, but still not something you'd predict happening. Uh, yeah. Otani's moving on, uh, either at the deadline or next off season. It's impossible. Sorry, Tyson. <laughs> Matt says of the Jays off season departures, Guriel will have the best breakout season in 2023. BK. Uh, I'd put a two on that as well. Um, I would actually expect Moreno to have a better year in Arizona than Gurriel. Um, yeah, I, I think part of that is just left field versus catcher and positional, um, uh, value. But, uh, yeah, I think uh, Gurriel's fine, but I think I would expect more from Teoscar. I would expect more from Moreno. Um, he might have a nice season, but I, I wouldn't say that's, uh, that's the likely outcome. I, I don't know. I don't think that's crazy unrealistic. I'd give that like a five, I think, because I, I kind of have a feeling that the Diamondbacks, their plan here would be to kind of let him hit in this, you know, hitter friendly ish environment, do pretty well, maybe DH a bunch and then try and flip them at the deadline to a contender. And we've all seen him go nuclear for these stretches where he's like the best hitter of all time for three weeks. And it's just nuts. So I wouldn't be surprised if we saw him do that on a contending team down the stretch and it was like, hot damn, like we just remember how good this guy actually is. Uh, someone who goes by the handle at Jack Slippery Eel. He has a loaded one. Jays win 100 games for the first time, take the AL East easily by five or six games. Consequently, they take home some big hardware. <laughs> Vladdy MVP, Manoa Cy Young, Schneider Manager of the Year. I'm going to go ahead and say the chances of all of that <laughs> happening in one season is like 5%. 
even lower 2%. Um, probably not happening, but if we're coming out of spring training. I give him credit for being that optimistic. When it was standings only, like win 100 games, five or six in front of like the rest of the division, I'm like, okay, you can see a pathway to that happening, but I'm still like, 100 games, like winning 100 games is so hard. And I, I would not be surprised to see the Jays do it. But even that is not the likely outcome. Everything else piled on there. Uh, I can respect the season that is in what? Jack Slippery Eel's head. Yep. Um, I, I appreciate that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, certainly I'd sign up for it. Uh, it doesn't seem likely. That's that's a one. I I'd can't. Say I would, yeah, sorry, go sorry, ahead. Sorry, go ahead. No, okay, I'll go ahead. I'll, I'll say quickly, I think there's a 100% chance that's going to happen. I agree. That's the <laughs> of the season. We had some that's guesses. Crazy. I love it. I love it. We had some <laughs> guesses about teams that might make, miss the playoffs. Nick thinks the Yankees miss. Brendan said the Mariners miss. RH said the Dodgers miss. Um, and then we had a couple about Yusei Kikuchi. Curtis says 10 plus wins for Kikuchi. But then there was this one that I find the most interesting. Yusei Kikuchi, this is from Blue Jay Way. You say Kikuchi will have a better ERA than at least one of Gosman or Manoa. And I love that because it could mean two things. Kikuchi could win the Cy Young or Manoa or Gosman fucking implode and we hate our lives. Oh, man. Yeah, I'm terrified of the idea of Yusei Kikuchi's ERA being better than Alec Manoa. And Alec Manoa has just had a normal season, but he's pitched to like a 4.5 ERA or something. I don't like thinking about that. I prefer Jack Slippery Eels... uh, (laughs) rosy rosy outlook yeah Yeah. um well okay so kikuchi won six games last year just going back to that 10 win question he won six games last year only pitching 100 innings spending time in the bullpen and being awful jose barrios won 12 games last year so i'd say kikuchi winning 10 like let me drop a like a four on that i think that's like like maybe not what i would guess if going over under but i think it's pretty attainable um, and then the, uh, ERA, man, I'm going to, I'm going to put a one on that just because I don't want to let my brain go to the, uh, Manoa or Gossman ERA being above Kikuchi. I just, I'm scared of what that would mean on the downside opposed to the upside. So I throw a one on that and just turn that topic off in my head. Yeah. Speaking of things you want turned off in your head, Andrew Stoughton said the stupid Red Sox win the world series with a garbage roster, just like in 2013. I don't want to even live on a planet where that happens this year. Oh, that would be a nightmare. Uh, Does Uh, does Jimmy Fallon make a movie about this year's uh, Red Sox team and Ryan Tapia is just the core component of all the, all the garbage goodness that comes out of there just randomly. Uh, we, he apparently made the team today. Originally, he was kind of iffy to make the roster. Apparently, Tapia is uh, breaking camp with the Red Sox, so good for him. Uh, but, man, that would be absolute misery in my head. Uh, but also, I'm throwing a one on that again. How Joyfully you, throwing how a one on that. How would that happen? Like, at least when you look back at the team in 2013, <laughs> you're like, you know, there was the pieces there. Like, they had a really good pitching rotation. You got, like, John Lester as your ace. I guess what it entails probably is Chris Sale coming back and being fantastic. Sale, a monster. Pavetta takes a step forward. Um, Garrett Whitlock breaks through in the rotation. Uh, Jaron Duran learns how to play baseball. There's just a lot of things that they need to figure out uh, and a lot of things that have to go right. Uh, but like Stoughton said, the Red Sox have rode absolutely garbage rosters to World Series before. So uh, I guess it's not a zero, but let's throw one on that. I think we should probably take the um, vibes approach and say there is a 100% chance that's going to happen so that we're not sitting here being like, it's not going to happen, <laughs> and then it does to fuck with us. 
So we have to well, say this is going to happen. I think. The audio gets deleted if it happens. We can't let Red Sox fans find this. <laughs> if this happens, then I think I'm going to retire from talking about <laughs> and paying attention to the Blue Jays. That would just be too much. Yeah. All right. To wrap up the show, since this is a Vibes podcast and we should really dig into the fact that we're all feeling good heading into opening day, I want to hear a handful of things. We'll do three things that maybe aren't like firm predictions, but just things you'd like to see this year that would make this season a fun one and a feel-good one. So for me, for my general enjoyment, these are my three. One, Jose Barrios just bounces back to his peak level, and it comes out of nowhere because I'm with you, BK. Watching this guy try to pitch right now is not an enjoyable experience on any level, but I'm just going to say as quickly as he fell off he rises back from the ashes Barrios has an elite season number two I have Bo figures out defense and the conversation about that completely dies only because I'm sick of it I never want to talk about the whole like oh they need someone who can play defense and shortstop and blah 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 done with it Bo becomes a quality defensive shortstop and three Matt Chapman starts red hot. He has a lights out first month of the season and Rogers just says, fuck it and pays the guy. I do not think any of those three happen, but right now with like 48 hours until opening day, I am believing in them. Yeah. Sign up, sign me up for those. Um, yeah, I, 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 my three things here would be, uh, Vladdy figuring out a launch angle that actually is like done by sluggers in this sport. Um, he pounded the ball into the dirt again last year. And man, like you just, you watch him and you're like, he's so much power there. Um, he's such a good hitter, but he just hits ground ball after ground ball. So man, if I, if Vladdy just had this like launch angle revolution breakout moment, I would be over the top joyful about that. Um, you say Kikuchi just being like a normal starting pitcher, like just, you know, like at every fifth day, like, Oh, Kikuchi's here. Like, Oh, he's your number four guy. And he just felt about him. Like you would traditionally feel about a number four starter. That would be great because, um, he was so terrifying last year. Basically, if he started a pitcher or if he started a, a batter out with two straight balls, Immediately, I'm like, okay, implosion. Like, the, he's not going to be able to figure out how to dig himself out of this. After two pitches, like, just watch it. It's like, this is awful. So, Kikuchi being normal would be one. Uh, and then uh, Dalton Varsho just endearing himself to this fan base by just having a step-forward season. I don't think he's an elite hitter. I don't think he's ever going to be that. But I do think he's got a bat capable of, like, you know, 35-ish home runs. Um and doing that while, you know, making diving catches and being just a hero in the outfield, I think would be really cool. But I, I think there's a scenario where his bat underwhelms and then fans kind of take that out on him a little bit. So I'd like to see him just be a, a good hitter with a lot of home runs and enough to kind of just become this uh, kind of superhero in the outfield that becomes people's favorite player. So, uh, yeah, excited to see what he can do this season for sure. Coomzy? I've come up with, I've come up with like handful of things that I want to see happen now that I think about it, but I'll try and narrow it down. I really, I mentioned this as one of my predictions, but I really would like to see the Jays throw a no hitter. I've never seen that happen once in my life. I was actually at the Brandon Morrow game. I was 17 when that happened. I was like, wow, this Ooh. is incredibly cool. Um, and then it didn't happen. And it was devastating. It's still just like that Aaron Hill miss ball is one of the most devastating Blue Jays moments for me. Um, so that's number one. And then I want to see in a playoff game, somebody hit a walk-off home run. It feels like the bat flip oh. was a walk-off, but it wasn't. Yeah. And that's very weird. It's weird that they didn't have a walk. Or, it's safe for the Edwin home run. Yeah. I guess I'd like to kind of see that happen again. Um, oh, that's so fun. Yeah. 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 Like, I don't know. I, 
it doesn't matter who it's for. Maybe it's like a Vladdy moment or a George Springer moment, or it's somebody completely random, you know, like a Santiago Espinal moment, a Whit Merrifield moment, who fucking knows, but I just want to have one of those. And then, hmm, that's a tough one. What would the last one be trying to kind of narrow it down? Um, I really want to, I, I really like BK's idea of Garrett Cole freaking out or somebody freaking <laughs> out about the fans in Toronto getting somebody really angry about something. I really, I really want to see that. I want to see somebody get, 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 get really pissed off by Jay's fans. I think that'd be really funny. All right. I like that. Always got to end with some positive vibes. We are getting close to opening day. Jays, Cardinals, then Coombsy and I are back in the rhythm after every single Blue Jays series this spring slash summer. We'll be here with another fresh pod. BK will be stopping by. So if you haven't yet, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a little five-star review if you've enjoyed the show over the last couple of years and help us with those podcasting algorithms as well. And we're going to have a fun year. The Jays will get some sweeps. Coombsy and I will crush some beers on the pod, and uh, it'll be good. Good time. BK, feels good to say that baseball's back. Baseball's back, boys. Really excited for it. It'll be a really fun year. Look forward to talking more with you guys. And uh, yeah, let's let's see. Uh, have a special year, special season for the Blue Jays, and a big year for baseball across Canada. Good vibes only. Nothing goes wrong. Everything works out. It's going to be great. No one that's gets right. hurt. The Jays win every series. Life is good. Uh, that's a wrap on our season preview episode of the pod. Got to give another shout out to our friends at Points Bet Canada. Whether it's a futures bet, whether you want to get some money in on opening day or anything else throughout the season, our friends at Points Bet Canada have you covered. Thanks for tuning in. Like I said, stick around throughout the season because it's going to be a ton of fun. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in to Blue Jays Nation Radio. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.